This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Thanks for tuning in, listeners. This is another episode, a new episode of the Rocks to Roots podcast produced by the Spokane Conservation District, as well as Brennan Pointer from Spokast. Thanks for being here, Brenner. Brennan, and <laughs> making us sound all good. And Dwayne, the gang's back. Uh, we're back. How you doing, Hillary? I'm doing great. Right. How's, How's your winter go? It was good, you know, just kind of hunkered down and got some house cleaning Things done. I mean, pretty boring, honestly. That sounds like a wonderful winter, actually. You know, you, you work the whole season. Winter comes along. It's time to hibernate. Time exactly. To, yeah. yeah. Get all the home stuff done. Yeah. What about you? Are you getting ready for farm season? Oh, we are already in it. We're two months in. So we've been uh, direct seeding our cat tunnels, our high tunnels. We have uh, the greenhouse is half full now, which means uh, in another three weeks, it'll be completely full. And we'll have nowhere to walk, and we'll just be loving it in that green life everywhere. Awesome. Any new things at the farm stand we can look forward to this year? Uh, yeah, actually, there's something really interesting. We might be trying a crop called Shizo. Oh, what's uh, that? I've really never heard of that. Awesome. It's a green. Um, I'm still learning about it. Uh, we just learned about it. Um, we have a gentleman up in Yakima who's making a wonderful tea that helps you to kind of recover. Um, just from a long day's work, it gives you a little bit of energy. And shizo is one of the uh, ingredients inside that tea. Interesting. So after learning about it, we found that, I mean, it can go from up to, if you find the right market, $40 a pound. Whoa. Yeah. And um, the nutritional benefits are out of this world. So it's a fantastic, healthy herb, and it's mainly grown in Japan, I believe. So it's going to be interesting finding a market here for it. But uh, if anybody's interested in health and we have it, it'd be something good to try. Cool. Well, I'll look forward to checking it out at your guys' farm stand. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, today we have Stacy Shelko, our education coordinator here at the Spokane Conservation District, joining us today. Thanks for being here, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, um, we got a lot to cover in this episode. You do so much here at the district, so many great programs. Let me just give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us how you got started here at the district. Well, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, the start of my position here at the Conservation District is kind of unusual. I'll start <laughs> off by saying it's, it's, I started here in the summer of 2009, and I had uh, completed my master's in education and received my certification a year prior and had been subbing in the schools. And since returning to Washington State from Colorado, where I was at for quite a few years, uh, I started volunteering with any youth organization, environmental organization that would have me. I was working with Youth in Action, Inner City Outings, Mobius, Conservation Northwest, Lands Council. And through all of those volunteer activities, my name had gotten out there and Kara Kalber, the education director from Franklin Conservation District, had wanted to 
uh, grow some programs that they had started over there. Wheat Week and Water on Wheels were the names of those programs. Conservation District had wanted an education position but didn't have one. And then Spokane County Water Resources Department had wanted to get some information from families and they were thinking that maybe through the schools might be a good way to do that. So all three of those agencies came together and said, okay, we'll start her education coordinator position here working on those programs. And then I slowly morphed into just working for Spokane Conservation District. So in 2009, I started Wheat Week and Water and Wheels for Franklin Conservation District while serving while giving the students surveys to take back to their families to get information for Spokane County Water Resources. And that was really successful, and I did that for two years. And so big props for volunteerism. If if I hadn't been doing any of that, I wouldn't have found this position here. And so, um, yeah, so to start with those three different agencies kind of collaborating to uh, work together financially to start this position here, and then it slowly, slowly changed into what it is today. Cool. So are you a Spokane native? Uh, Eastern Washington native from Eastern the big Washington. town of Ritzville, oh, Washington. Shout out Ritzville. Yeah. <laughs> Say hi to the five people in that town. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Yeah. So when you first got here, you mentioned um, there was Water on Wheels that you had already previously worked with and Wheat Week. Um, and so those were some programs. But what were some of the other programs um, that you worked on initially once you got here at the Conservation District? Yeah, so after those first years uh, focusing on those programs, after after that in 2011, I was able to concentrate on um, specifically conservation district programs and growing those. And that's when I started Trout in the Classroom for the schools and worked with Trout Unlimited for grant funding and support with that. Modeled it after the Franklin Conservation District Salmon in the Classroom program. Um, And now we've changed the Trout in the Classroom program here quite a bit. And that continues today with 16 schools serving over 1,000 students And it was shortly after that as well that I uh, started the Backyard Conservation Stewardship Program, and that was also modeled off of another conservation district. So taking those programs that were out there and working well and just applying them here at our district. And uh, then starting to work more collaboratively with other agencies to create these outdoor learning opportunities And I worked with Spokane County Water Resources and the Mead School District to uh, help to start the Mead Environmental Education Days, where all fifth grade students in Mead go to Bear Lake. And then I also helped to build the Kids in the Hills program at Dishman Hills, where Spokane Public School students can go to Dishman Hills and go through a range of activities throughout the day. Um, so the, those were the first programs starting out. And then also creating my own um, natural resource lessons to provide in the schools. Um, in the beginning, around 2011, those were really water heavy. Um, but now Spokane County Water Resources and City of Spokane have really robust water education programs. So pulling back on that and focusing more on forestry, soils, and other things. And you really do... Um, all of your work touches a variety of um, ages. So there's adult education, there's the kids' education, you're with teachers in the classroom and everything, um, and we're going to get into all of that. But I just kind of want to start off by talking about some of the adult programs that you offer here at the district. 
Yeah. So some of my background before I went back to school for my master's in education, I have biology um, bachelor's and a clinical uh, certification in clinical herbalism and also worked at nursery for a couple of years. So I've got kind of this eclectic background, which helps to um, formulate some of these adult programs. I can teach some of them myself. And then a lot of it is just pulling in presenters from around the county to mm-hmm. come in and, and teach those programs as well. Um, I haven't done as many adult programs because my um, my youth programs has, has carried most of the focus. However, with changes in the last couple years, with the new property that we have here and the potential that we have here, I hope to grow those. And um, the main idea behind, behind any of the adult programs is to provide some some options that aren't already out there with WX. WSU Extension and some of the other agencies that offer sustainable landscaping or anything like that for adult mm-hmm. programs. I also want to have more programs for families. As a, a single parent myself, it's kind of hard to get out there and do some of these fun programs when you have a kid in tow, and it's always nice to know when they're not only welcome, but uh, they have stuff to do as well. Mm-hmm. And we're starting those off this summer with some family compost courses. Ooh, um, so not just adults, but something... Um, something available for the family as well. Uh, I'd like to see some more use of our awesome space here as well and thinking about nature journaling classes here. I have a person who's certified in forest bathing to potentially do some of those things out here. Sorry, forest bathing? Forest bathing. I got to know what this is. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a mental health thing. (laughs) I'm going to... And sound terrible the way I put it out there. Uh, well, you go out into the forest, and it's about kind of um, using that space to to be happier and men- more mentally healthy. Okay, That's so awesome. soaking up the rays and yes. enjoying nature's sounds and being around yes. living organisms. And I do not know a whole lot about it, but it is the rage these days, <laughs> and right. I happen to know somebody who's received a certification. <laughs> so it's like, oh, let's see if any of that. And, you know, mental health services in general these days, if we can um, work something into our natural resources, then that works out well. Oh, and yeah. the nice thing about those adult programs is that they're just so variable, um, Right now, the rain barrel program that I started running in what was that um, 2016. Now that was one that I was thinking that we needed here. I had no idea about rain barrels, so I just learned about rain barrels myself. I created a retrofit kit. Everything worked out fine, and I was able to offer the course. And that's some sometimes what I do with adult programs. I look at a need that's there. Am I able to provide that need myself? Um, not always. I was hoping to teach myself some mushroom propagation, <laughs> yes. and that didn't go as well as planned. And and those are just the classes that I just need to bring in those professionals when able to. Um, but it's it's really nice to be able to look at this huge spectrum of natural resources and sustainable landscaping and have all those options available. And there's so much really that I'm WC extension does wonderful work with, with so many of those topics, but there's still a lot left out there for people. And now that we have the space, hope, hope to bring them in here. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, shout out to anything dealing with mental health, especially after the last couple of years. And we do have such a great space here and to connect with nature, get some dirt therapy going on. That's That sounds really exciting. Um, you just mentioned rain barrel class and there's one coming up in April. So um, tell us about the class and um, what date 
is that class going to be taking place? April 15th, I believe. Um, well, it was, it was, I'm, I'm really quite proud of the class. Um, after watching YouTube after YouTube for retrofitting <laughs> rain barrels, talking with another conservation district that had a rain barrel program, I wanted to keep the cost really low. A lot of the retrofit equipment that they use is quite expensive. Mm. And so you're not only you know, buying a, an old barrel, but then you're having to purchase all that retrofit. You might as well just go out and buy a rain barrel because you're going to be paying the same amount. And so I started to work with some different materials and uh, created a, a small, super affordable rain barrel retrofit. It's about $12, all the materials wow. to put on that. And, nice. um, and it, it lasts, it looks good. And yeah, it's a it's a great program. Perfect. I want to say we got a rain barrel from your program about three years ago, maybe. Yeah, and yeah. it's still doing great, and it works fantastic. So, uh, yeah, the yeah, idea the that you came are up working with is well. Uh, yes. So, thank you. Great. <laughs> and, but on that, I got to build on. Last time I was into the rain barrels, I was told in the city of Spokane it's illegal to capture rainwater. Is yeah. there any truth to this? Um, there was a law in place that was changed in 2009. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, that's old information from way back in the day. Yeah, right but now. I still hear it quite a bit when we would be at the fair with the rain barrel. It would be the first thing that people say, well, this would be great if it were legal. And <laughs> yeah, it's, and so all of those things have been removed since 2009. So if information is back in 2009, then this would be a wonderful class to attend, huh? Yeah. <laughs> people in here learn all the new stuff and get your rain barrel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's awesome. And uh, definitely check out SpokaneCD.org slash calendar. And you can see that Rain Barrel Workshop is up. And you can go ahead and register. And cost is $25. $25 in county. We are fortunate enough to be sponsored by the city of Spokane and Spokane County Water Resources um, to purchase those barrels for us to keep those costs low. So $25 for in-county residents and $45 dollars out of county residents we still take a slight hit on the 45 dollar price but we want people out of county um, to have it available as well looking at our region there isn't anything quite like this unless you get all the way over to the west side and we've had people um, travel all the way from ellensburg for the rain barrel classes so wow fantastic deal cool and I know there's another program that you're currently doing right now, but it totally deserves a shout out because it sells out every single year. It's always super popular once it goes up on social media and in our newsletter is the Backyard Conservation Stewardship Program. So tell us about that. So that was uh, one of the first adult programs I started here, and I modeled that after Skagit Conservation Program. And theirs is uh, grant-funded every year, so they actually are able to provide it free. We do charge $35. But the idea for that was just to provide a really affordable experience to get some basic understanding of sustainable landscaping, best practices, and connections with local agencies and professionals. And I'm seeing a lot of new faces. We've got a lot of people moving in from out of town, and so that's super helpful for them to get to know their WSU Extension and all these other wonderful local agencies and connections that can offer them assistance through their sustainable landscaping needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us, what were some of the topics that you are covering this year? Um, we generally have Robin Oak Quinn from Eastern Washington University here um, giving a native plants 
um, presentation. Uh, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife does uh, landscaping for backyard wildlife. Um, we also have our forestry um, person in there, Garth, and Tim Kohlhoff from WSU Extension doing bugs and cruds, looking at plants and what diagnostic procedures. Uh, Chris Major with City of Spokane coming in to talk about composting basics. And then also Kyle Merritt from City of Spokane talking about waterwise landscaping. Awesome. Wow, cover just about every aspect you can think about. Quite a bit, yeah. It's amazing. And all with people that are really intelligent and know what they're doing and saying. Yes, and Fantastic. then you can have continued connections with those people as you work through your landscaping issues, yeah. So that's amazing. If you're new to the area, make sure you get in there and learn all about all the fantastic resources that are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In addition to those adult programs, you mentioned a family compost class, which sounds fabulous later this year. Anything else maybe on the horizon for adult programs that you'd possibly like to see? Honestly, there's a lot I'd like to see. There's nothing planned. This last couple of years, I've really focused focused more on grant funding to provide for some of these outdoor spaces here at our new facility, looking to get the compost demonstration site built, looking to get some demonstration beds in here. I really want to do natural resource day camps for kids in the summertime. And so my focus has been more on getting some of that uh, together and the grant that I did write during the pandemic, uh, focusing on on getting that taken care of as well. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of getting... uh, people and kiddos outside. You just launched uh, the Outdoor Explorer Packs here at the Spokane Conservation District. Um, So tell us about these packs and why you thought it was a good fit for um, the Conservation District to host this kind of program. Yeah, um, those have been super fun. So during the pandemic, um, I've written grants in the past, but this is the largest one I've ever gone for. And it was uh, called No Child Left Inside through Recreation and Conservation Office, co-sponsored by uh, Washington State Parks. So the Outdoor Explorer Packs were actually just a small part of the grant. Um, The larger part of the grant was um, what I'm calling Outdoor Learning Labs, and these are... um, outdoor learning kits for teachers as well as a la carte items you might want to get a forestry kit or you might just want to get a classroom set of binoculars for kids that was my main focus with this grant um, because of the great need to take students outside and the fact that teachers don't have activities or the materials um, for really good outdoor investigations so that was that was my focus was to build those and then just the smaller part I was like I'd like to do something similar but for families here at the office, and then I thought of those backpacks. And then as I started to create those backpacks, um, they were just so fantastic. Our library here the city of Spokane has STEM kits that you can check out. And I was, I was thinking we just need something for, for outdoor field STEM is another um, term for outdoor investigation. And so just started building those kits, seeing other programs across the U.S. that have similar type things, either through libraries or private agencies. And um, it, it just became really exciting. I think it's just wonderful. I'm more excited about 
the outdoor explorer packs, then I out, am the outdoor learning labs. And then my final goal, because I was kind of thinking about it as like a pilot pro- project, I'll start off with these few backpacks, create them. And then I'd really, what I'd really like to see happen is to get more agencies involved, maybe have fish and wildlife uh, sponsor a backpack, and then we would put it together and create the activities and the information needed in there. Um, but eventually, I'd love to see these actually in the libraries. I'm working on creating <laughs> connections and somehow trying to make that happen. We just don't, they have the perfect system already in place for mm-hmm. that. Um, they offer similar items, STEM kits. Um, the Washington State Parks actually has a Wah Discover backpack there. It's not really backpack. It's a plastic container with some maps and some field guides, and it's super cool. Um, but to really make it usable for families, um, put in some activities and citizen science connections and just make it a little bit more user-friendly. And I think that working collaboratively, we'd be able to to do that and make it really dynamic and keep it changing and keep everybody involved. And so that's what I hope it turns into. Um, we'll see. We'll see. And then a smaller, another part of that grant, um, because it was uh, sponsored by state parks, I included transportation funds to Riverside State Park for five different schools in Spokane Public Schools. And so they'll be headed out to Riverside State Park. We'll cover the transportation costs. And then I'm also trying to plan their activities for the day so the teachers don't have to worry about that as well. So that was all kind of rolled into it. Um, but I think the most exciting part has been the, the outdoor exploration backpacks. And I hope that they are well received. Yes. And they have different themes, correct? Correct. Um, and those will change a little bit throughout the year. Uh, I did create an explore snow backpack. Of course, those aren't, um, won't get much use anymore. <laughs> so I'll switch those over to uh, explore wildlife. We've got explore pollinators. One of my favorites, explore rocks and soil. Um, there's a little bit with uh, with Ice Age floods in there, as well as a, a rock test, rock and mineral test kit that I created and put in there, and and then there's also explore trees and explore water. So yeah, those will change a little bit seasonally. We'll keep some of the same ones um, available throughout the year, but change them up just a bit. And then, depending on how it grows and uh, the type of sponsorship we can get, I've already got um, some. Uh, donated materials from REI and the Riverside State Parks Foundation, and that's been super helpful. But if we can get more people involved, um, then we'll be able to create even more. That's awesome. And so the packs come just ready to go with all the materials kiddos would need to explore whatever that backpack theme is. Correct, including a backpack. And also wanted to stress... um, the use of our natural spaces properly. And so one of the things I received from REI and the Riverside State Parks Foundation was some leave no trace information. Each backpack has a garbage bag in it so that people will take out their garbage. If there's one thing that I've noticed since the uptick in use of our public lands is the uptick in trash as well. So we also want to make sure that that people using these natural areas are treating them appropriately. That's cool. And so for any parents or guardians that are interested in checking out a backpack for a kiddo, how would they go about doing that? Go online to Spokane conservation spokancct.org and you will go under education and look for 
outdoor explorer backpacks. And the cool thing about that area is there's also a timeline that you can see um, that shows when the backpacks are in use. So if you're looking to uh, utilize one of the backpacks, you can see very clearly when it'll be available, what backpacks are available, and, and the terms of the use. So for the big kids at heart like myself, uh, me and Harbor are going to go hiking at Isler this weekend. Uh, do we get a prize if we check out that backpack and do all the activities <laughs> and find all the different scavengers on there? No prize. Oh. But I will tell you that the activities are very age-friendly. And maybe okay. it's just me, but I love a nature scavenger hunt. Oh, and like rock and mineral test kit, hello. Yes. <laughs> and so, And I would say that's, uh, that's true for all of those backpacks. I think that anybody would enjoy the activities in them. And if you are unable to check out a backpack, the activities that were created for the backpacks can be found online and you'd be able to print those off. So the the tree dichotomous key or the uh, pond scavenger hunt, any of that stuff would be available to to go ahead and print out online as well. And um, no charge to rent the backpacks? No charge to rent the backpacks. We are asking that people... um, are responsible for any lost items, but no charge for use of the backpacks at all. Cool. So um, you mentioned that um, in order to create these backpacks, you applied for the Recreation and Conservation Grant or No Child Left Inside Grant. Yes. So kind of talk to us about applying for grants and how that process is and kind of what the timeline looks like. I'm assuming it's probably not a very fun process. It's kind of probably pretty tedious, but that's awesome that you were able to secure one. So would love to hear. Yeah, I haven't don't have any you know official grant writing experience, and throughout the years, I've written small grants here or there. I think five thousand dollars was the largest one that I was able to procure. And I must say, I'm often encouraging teachers to to look for those grants because. They do not make those grants difficult. Um, they make those grants easy oh. uh, for a reason, and you can get you know some some good money, some good funding for just a small amount of time. So, um, and those were the types of grants that I was previously applying for those smaller grants. Um, but with some some time during COVID, uh, <laughs> I was able to direct my attention to the RCO grant, and they do have a system called Prism that you need to go into to enter all of that information. That was new for me, um, but you know, the information was all pretty cut and dried, and so it was. It did take a bit of time. I like to leave myself a lot of time, so if I'm looking at a grant like that, I'm starting, you know, processing it six months in advance easily, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then so that I can start writing on it three months in advance and and feel good about it. And so I had already had a lot of the information down in my head what I wanted to propose with this grant, and so um, translating that um, uh, into their system was was fairly simple. That's awesome. Well, great job. And um, again, the Outdoor Explorer Packs, you can rent those at the Spokane Conservation District. Uh, Just head over to SpokaneCD.org and under Education, you can see Outdoor Explorer Packs and fill out a um, request to check out a pack there. So um, you are encouraging teachers to reach out and check out these grants and everything, but you also work very closely with teachers in the classroom. So talk to us about your teacher programs that you um, are facilitating around the community. Well, I have a 
a really wonderful position to be here. And as education coordinator at the Conservation District, working with teachers, I can do a number of different things. So I'm often doing just in-classroom presentations. Um, I'll tell teachers, if you're looking for outdoor experiences to to contact our office and if you have a field trip scheduled you want somebody to be there to support with some outdoor activities um, I'm available for that Uh, teacher workshops and again with teacher workshops in the past done some project wet project wild project learning tree and then we host those here as well Um, but it's one of my goals to get some some alternative uh, teacher workshops. One I've done with Chris Major with City of Spokane for a few years is the Vermiculture in the Classroom Teacher Workshop. And those are offering uh, STEM clock hours, which are are nice for teachers to get. They are required to get 15 STEM clock hours. And um, working with WC Extension to annually provide um, teacher workshops for school gardens as well. And so I want to branch out with some of the teacher workshops, but build some of the curriculum and do some some alternative offerings to what we generally see with environmental education curriculum. Mm -hmm. And is that STEM curriculum, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that STEM curriculum, is that for specific grades or is that kind of across the board stem clock hours or clock hours across the board across the board oh okay so even even physical education teachers are required to get stem clock hours okay um and earlier you mentioned trout in the classroom what tell us about that program so that's a program that we've been supporting since 2011 and what we do is we provide permitting so schools contact me they want to be involved they say okay I'll handle all your permitting with fish and wildlife which is free by the way they provide that um, for schools for free and permitting is how many eggs the school will be receiving in January and where which lake they will be releasing the trout into in about May And uh, sometimes we have grant funding to provide the equipment for the trout in the classroom. It's about an $800 to $1,000 equipment set up to start out. And then they get the eggs in January, raise the fish in the tank in the classroom or in the school. And then the students go out to one of their local water bodies to release again in about May and so we had started out modeling off of the Franklin Conservation District with just fifth grade classrooms. Um, but as we grew, uh, we went to various different age levels. And, and uh, we've got some in elementary, middle, and high school now and, and private schools as well. That's cool. Is there a specific kind of trout that you're trying to either boost population of with this program or help out? We are raising rainbow trout. We get them from the Spokane Fish Hatchery. Um, Not necessarily trying to help out in any way the lakes that we are allowed to release to, like Bear Lake, Liberty Lake. um, Those already have rainbow trout in their management plan. So they're just including the numbers that we add to the lakes into their management plan. That's amazing. And when you're talking about the equipment, um, I'm not very imaginative. All I have in my head is a fish tank that sits there. Is this more grandiose than that? A little bit. uh, Rainbow trout are cold water fish. So the big cost is the chiller. It costs about 600 bucks for that chiller. And then there's the tank, there's the filter, there's aerator, and 
some smaller equipment to clean turkey baster a vacuum okay. for the, <laughs> <laughs> a vacuum to clean the the junk off the bottom but the big pieces are the tank the chiller and then the filter awesome that's that's good to know i didn't know anything about the uh chiller in order to get the trout to be raised correctly yeah yeah amazing yeah it's it's added some some interesting events over the last several years Uh, some of the trout tanks have been in really old schools and power going out and and things like that but i think we've got it dialed in now (laughs) approximately how many trout would you say have been raised by kids in the classroom over the years and then been released Oh, just approximately, I mean. My gosh, okay. Let's say like 1,500 a year oh, for wow. 10 years. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I have to say that my nieces actually had the pleasure of having you in their classroom last week. Shout out to Jillian and Jocelyn. Um, and you were doing Wheat Week, is that correct? Yes. So okay. that was the program I started mm-hmm. on in 2009, and I continue to provide that program. It is just absolutely wonderful. Kara Calbers built it up from just a couple of counties being involved. It's a statewide program now. She's got at least a dozen educators working for her any time of the year. And so I am subcontracted out by Franklin Conservation District to provide at least 10 weeks through schools here. And it's one of my favorite things to do. It's an amazing program. Due to budget cuts, this year we went from five days down to four days. Um, I go in on Monday and I always do, whenever I do presentations in the classroom, I always do grade level. So I just bounce from classroom to classroom. And so in this case, go in on Monday and we talk about plant systems and they start growing their wheat plants on Monday. On Tuesday, we talk about soils and water and I bring in some soils for them to investigate. Wednesday, we extract DNA from wheat seeds. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's super awesome. <laughs> and, and then this year, since we only have four, the, the, uh, the final day, we, we talk about energy, river systems, transporting wheat throughout the state. And uh, for us here in eastern Washington, I've, I, that's the day I include um, some salmon information with the reintroduction of salmon here on our river systems. Pretty exciting stuff to talk about. That's that is fantastic education right there. Mm-hmm. Wish I had something like that growing up. Yeah, Seriously, like all the way into the whole DNA part? Yeah. Wow. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to sit in one of those classes one of these days. I'm going to be the big kid in the back. I welcome you. <laughs> it wants to yeah. shadow you. <laughs> <laughs> what other programs or curriculum are you offering to the schools lately? Well, besides the outdoor learning labs, working to, to build those and get those in place by the beginning of next year, um, constantly working with other agencies. I did want to give a shout out to all the various agencies that I work with in Spokane. When I started in 2009, I instantly went into a group called EnviroKids, and this is a number of our local agencies, Spokane County Water Resources, City of Spokane, National Weather Service. We've got now nonprofit on there, Lands Council. We put out a newsletter quarterly. Um, There's a website for EnviroKids, kindergarten through sixth grade. Uh, working, just working with environmental education, doing activities, getting our newsletters, going out to see us in the community when we're at events. And with that same group of people throughout the years, work to provide Spokane Youth Environmental Conference, a place where middle school and high schoolers could present environmental science studies that they've done in, uh, in front of a group of 
people. And um, also we set up a virtual science night. Spokane Aqua for Joint Board uh, retained funds to set up online a virtual science night. When we all went into COVID, none of us were able to go out to the schools and do science nights as we would normally do. And so we placed all that information online. And so um, I believe that it is us working together that that makes really great things happen here. And I think Washington, Eastern Washington gets a bad rap. We think of environmental education, West Side, mm-hmm. saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got a wonderful group of people here, and we work together well, and we work really hard. So there's some pretty cool stuff going on. Heck yeah. Power in the partnerships. Love it. What area, like, do you work with all schools in Spokane County, or are there some barriers with working with some Certain schools, anything like that? All schools. Um, so I provide lessons K through 12, and I do college as well. I, um, I go in Gonzaga and Eastern Washington and do some pre-service teachers, natural resource education in the classroom. I usually do soils education. And um, so yeah, K through 14, I work with um, any of the school districts. I work with some private schools as well. Um, yeah, so no, no boundaries. Awesome. Except for the county. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, so if there is a teacher an edu- or an educator listening to this right now, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you to possibly get them, get you in their classroom? Email me. Okay. And I would say with anybody, if you, if you have a need, um, reach out. And again, we're this close knit community. If I can't provide the services that you need, um, I can find somebody that can. Well, Stacey, Sounds like you just have so many great programs doing a ton for adults and kiddos here in our community um, for environmental education. What's something on the horizon um, that you are looking forward to um, for kids or adults or anything here? Well, um, I would say first and foremost, uh, we just had a piece of legislation pass in Washington State House Bill 278. And what that's going to do is it's going to provide funds for Washington State students, fifth and sixth grade, to have an outdoor education experience. And they would Mm -hmm. prefer that to be residential. My concern here in eastern Washington, we don't have any of the infrastructure in place to provide for those services. Westside has tons of places those students can go, and the grants are going to send those students there. But if we don't have any place to send those students here in eastern Washington, I'm wondering how schools are going to use those funds. Mm -hmm. And it really puts a lot of focus on agencies like ours because that's what I do a good portion in the springtime is I help to coordinate trips to outdoor locations and provide activities for those students as well. And so I'm wondering how we are going to be able to, f- to fit those needs that are coming in this next year. Um, I have a feeling Eastern Washington students are just not going to get the opportunities that those students on the west side. We had one a location, Chihuahua Peaks, that was a residential, so overnight facility, mm. just over an hour away. Um, that students could could potentially use for those overnight outdoor learning experiences, and that closed down in 2020. Uh-huh. So there's nothing 
east of the Cascades for those residential experiences. And then there's just little spots. We've got the West Valley Outdoor Learning Center, Mm -hmm. but 75% of their time goes to their own district. Mm -hmm. Um, Central Valley is building a nature center out in Saltis um, Flats area. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried that the students here just aren't going to have, be able to utilize the funds that, that were put in place. And part of the reason that those funds were put into place is to kind of, uh, in response to COVID and our, uh, our students emotional and mental health, and, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to help, help them to bounce back and, how is that going to work for us? And so uh, we're continuing conversations. I want to continue conversations with supportive agencies, with some of our public lands like Riverside State Park. You know, are you planning um, for this influx of, of mm-hmm. need and, and how are we going to meet this need? And, and hopefully through all of that conversation, we will get more infrastructure put in place uh, for opportunities for outdoor learning here in eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. So is the main concern that there's just not really a specific area, like you you mentioned the um, West Valley Outdoor Learning Center, something just on a larger scale, like similar to that? Is that similar? Or? Over on the west side, they have a number of these residential camps that okay. are set up where you can bring your students for two to four days and... Oh. And, and then those are also facilities that provide for those experiences. Even with Chihuahua Peaks, when that was open, you could rent the facility, but then you also have to provide for those activities. Mm-hmm. We don't have a place where you could go and bring your students, and then they'd have all of these wonderful activities in place. So, yeah. Okay. Well, if you could wave your magic wand. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> any, any ideas or thoughts if you could, you know, like I said, wave your magic wand? Yeah. Well, Riverside State Park is a, is a wonderful resource, and I, I believe they already have a couple of areas that could be utilized for a, for a great nature center. Not a residential facility where they would come overnight, but an, an excellent day trip and then to potentially provide for the activities because I think that's really hard for our teachers. Oh, great. I've got funding to go take my my students out for outdoor learning and we can go here, but what am I going to do when we get there? Mm-hmm. And so to provide for the activities when they get there, I would really like to see a location on the Spokane River to connect with that salmon story as well. And that would be an excellent place for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the conversation that's going on is that we just definitely need more than one place. Um, some folks would like an urban nature center, something a little bit closer to downtown. Um, but I still see more of a need for, for places that allow for real space. Mm-hmm. And then, so who would actually be managing these spaces? That's the thing. Oh, right? yeah. okay. We'll see. So in 2016, Oregon did something similar, passed a bill. Um, but it was a different agency that was, was handling the money. Uh, mm-hmm. For our state, it's going all through OSPI, the Office Superintendent Public Instruction, so our, our schools. Okay. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how how that rolls out. And we can look to Oregon for a model, but... Again, I'm just really worried about Eastern Washington getting left mm-hmm. left in the dust. Yeah. 
Well, you are doing fantastic work here at the district and um, keep up the great work. Teachers, if you'd like to reach out to Stacy um, to get her in your classroom for some of these fun programs and curriculum, make sure and email her at stacy at spokanecd.org. Also, make sure that you check out the Spokane Conservation District's event calendar to check out any adult programs coming up, such as the Rain Barrel Workshop on April 15th and uh, possibly family composting coming up, maybe. Um, well, Stacy, we always like to close our episodes with a little bit of a spitfire round so that our listeners can just get to know you a little bit better. You down? I'm down. <laughs> okay. Dwayne, you want to kick it off? So I'm going to start this off right off the bat. What's your favorite hiking trail? <laughs> um, my favorite hiking trail is one I haven't tried yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's been on my mind. It's the Waikiki, um, the nature preserve that was just established. That's the same area they released the 51 salmon um, last summer. And yeah, it's just a little bit up north and it's been on my mind a lot. One that I actually go have gone to. Um, I really enjoy BLM and I love the scab lands. So oftentimes when I go hiking, especially in the springtime, I head for, for the scab lands as opposed to a forested area. So I would put um, Hog Canyon on, on that list as being one of my faves. That is a nice area. It is. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And that, that's a great point. Everybody, will, everybody goes directly to the forest. And there is a Scablands. It's a whole different oh, ecology out there. There's so many amazing places. The waterfalls, the springtime flowers. It's, it's great. And the, the flood formations and the volcanic activity. Some of the rocks are just fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out because I haven't been out there yet. <laughs> Hog Canyon Lake and Folsom Farms. They're right next to each other. Oh, okay. I think what Hog Canyon has all sorts of fish in there if you're a fisherman too, so... And the there's season, a reason to go hiking. Yeah, the season's just about up. They have a weird wintertime fishing. Okay, yes, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't look into that part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think this is the last month. Um, so I know it's been a little bit, a little while, but um, tell us what was the last concert you went to, and if you have one on the horizon, any. I used to go to a lot of music uh, <laughs> when I was living in Colorado, uh, getting my clinical cert herbalism certification. Um, I would travel around to um, various bluegrass festivals. Oh, nice. And I, I think the last, the last show I, I saw, and it's been a really long time, was Ozo Motley here in Spokane. <laughs> <laughs> and where at? Um, at the, the place downtown. Uh, arena? No. No. The Knitting Factory. Yeah. Ah! Oh, my God. We have a winner. All right. Holy moly. Ooh. Yeah. You can tell yes. we've all been cooped up lately. <laughs> Gosh, I used to go there like every Friday. Yeah, I totally forgot about the Knitting Factory. Holy cow. Are you a movie person? Do you watch movies? Oh, yeah. Okay. Then my favorite question always is, what's your favorite movie and do you have a quote from it? aliens and i had to pause on the quote because i need to make sure it's appropriate <laughs> and now i'm not thinking of one <laughs> they are not, all not appropriate <laughs> okay so which aliens then the aliens original? the original then no no that's two alien is the original is the first one aliens okay. is the second one and then from there you'll have nice. aliens two aliens three okay Nice, I just got schooled. I love it. Heck yeah. <laughs> I thought I was the movie buff over here being able to say things, but all right. It's we always a good episode when Dwayne gets schooled on something. 
favorite emoji? He's the, the thumbs up a lot. The thumbs up yeah. a lot. <laughs> Does anybody think you're rude when you do it? I don't think so. Okay, good. Because I like to tell everybody, it's not being rude or anything. It's just, hey, that's the easiest way to say, good job. Okay, great. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And I find since, uh, since being masked in my everyday life, I use it a lot more too. This is my general <laughs> communication to people. Nice. <laughs> not just an emoji. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's so real carries over yeah. ways of communication. You got you to keep with the, the emoji talk though. It's IRL. Yeah. It's the, it's the IRL emoji, right? You know what was sad? My parents schooled me on like a, one of those the other day and I just almost fell to the ground. I was like, oh my Ooh. gosh, this is terrible. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I didn't even know that. Okay. Okay. So I know you like to get out there and you like to find all the wonderful gifts that nature gives us. So what is your favorite plant or flower? That's a tough question. Well, I, I did mention the buttercup. Um, that just that one just fills me with joy because I've been waiting so long to see it, and it comes out in the springtime, and I just really love that. Um, some of the other flowers around here that I really enjoy seeing is the bitterroot that will be coming out in May, and you can see bitterroot in the Lincoln Park area as well as Palisades area. And that's kind of an Eastern Washington gem. It's a succulent type flower that just gives this beautiful bloom in those rocky areas. Oh, cool. um, and then as far as a cultivated plant, I, I'm, rosemary is my favorite. And mm. for a while I was working on an organic farm and I was caring for the greenhouses over Thanksgiving and one of them was full with rosemary. And just, it was so wonderful walking the rows of rosemary, and it's such a beautiful plant. It and makes you just me have so to pet happy. it, and you oh, have to smell it. And yes. yes. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> All right, and one that we always have to end with, as it's appropriate to our Rocks to Roots name, uh, Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Really? Oh, well, Rolling Stones. I think I'm a bit Rolling more of a Stones. rocker. Yeah. Right. We were nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Stacy, for being here. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you reach out and let us know. Or if you have any subject suggestions for the podcast, you can email us at info at rockstoroots.org. We'll catch you next time. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.